Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishwell Podcast. I'm super excited to bring to you this week's episode. It is entitled Holistic and Balance with Dr. Supriya Rao. To tell you a little bit about her, she is a board-certified physician in internal medicine, gastroenterology, and obesity medicine. She is a graduate of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and Duke University School of Medicine. She completed her residency in internal medicine at the University of Pennsylvania and gastroenterology fellowship at Boston Medical Center. She is a managing partner of her GI practice, Integrated Gastroenterology Consultants, which is located in the greater Boston area. She is also the director of medical weight loss at Lowell General Hospital. Her clinical interests include gut health and motility, inflammatory bowel disease, preventative health and wellness, and weight loss. You can follow her on Instagram at GutsyGirlMD. I had a really great time recording this episode with Dr. Rao a couple of months ago, and I really hope that you enjoy listening to this episode. And as always, if you like what you're listening to, please head on over to iTunes, leave a rating or review, and tune in every week. I will bring back some more solo episodes soon. I have a lot of fun stuff coming up in the next week or a couple of weeks, and so I will be sharing all of that with you all on the podcast. And as always, you can also follow the uh, podcast Instagram at wishwell.health, and my personal Instagram page is at michelledingmd. I hope you enjoy this episode, and I'll chat with you all soon. everyone, it's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishwell Podcast. I am here today with Dr. Supriya Rao. Dr. Supriya Rao is a practicing um, gastroenterologist in Massachusetts, so welcome. Thank you so much for having me uh, today, Michelle. Really appreciate the time to talk to you. We're so excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about what health and wellness means to you. The health and wellness to me, um, I feel like it is encompassed by a couple words, and for me specifically, that would be holistic and balance. Great words, and why did you pick those words? So, because I feel like when people think about health and wellness, sometimes like in their minds, immediately they start just thinking about diet or exercise, and those are the two only, are the two only possibilities that can contribute to health and wellness, but I found through the years that it's not just that, it's more of looking at the person as a whole and like the different aspects of their life uh, and not just, you know, boiling them down to a couple things, but looking at a patient or um, person as a whole and trying to address each part, each aspect of their life in order to help them on their journey to health and wellness. That's very, very good. So tell us a little bit about, go ahead. No, I said, I also chose the word balance because I feel like that's also really important to be able to um, not, not just like, you know, again, focus on one area, but to balance it out um, across the entire person. 
Yes, for sure. And I picked my word uh, for health and wellness actually as balance as well. And I definitely think that encompasses everything. It's got to be a balance of every little thing that you do in your life. Um, so tell us about your personal journey through health and wellness. I know um, I mentioned before that you're a practicing gastroenterologist, but I also know that you recently took your obesity medicine boards and you're board certified. So you're triple board certified, right? Yes, that's true. Um, Thank you. So yeah, that just uh, actually happened last week. But uh, I I think my journey started as a gastroenterologist. You know, I really care a lot about multi-organ systems. And so um, that's why I actually chose gastroenterology. I liked the procedural aspect, but I also liked, you know, taking care of chronic medical conditions, acute medical conditions, and uh, seeing patients, you know, from you know, as young as 18 to as old as 100. So I really enjoyed that aspect of my job. But mm-hmm. um, what happened was I was seeing a lot of patients coming into my office with fatty liver disease or increased amounts of fat in the liver. And we now know that it's, you know, found in patients who have a metabolic syndrome. Oftentimes they've got high cholesterol, diabetes, and other metabolic derangements. And, you know, I was telling these patients, you guys, and this was maybe even a few years ago, so, you know, you, got, you really need to think about your diet exercise more, come back in six months, let's see if your liver enzymes improve at all, and uh, let's just kind of go from there. And I kept telling patients to do that, and nothing was really changing with them. I wasn't able to, I, I think one, only one patient I was able to actually do anything about. Mm-hmm. And it was frustrating me because I felt like I wasn't doing a good job for my patients, and I wasn't helping them um, improve their lifestyle, improve, you know, you know, all these metrics. And just seeing the same numbers over and over again and seeing patients have difficulty with weight loss, it really got to me. It's like, okay, obviously it's not just diet and exercise. What is it that we're dealing with? And so I started looking into more beyond diet, like really getting to heart. What are people eating? How are they exercising? And then other aspects, you know, just their mental health, how, you know, how stressed out are they? What other, um, you know, factors are affecting them to prevent them from leading a healthier lifestyle? How, how well are they sleeping? Because sleep is so important when it comes to um, health and wellness. If you're not getting true, restful, adequate sleep, it can really affect um, your health in the long term. Uh, mm-hmm. And then just environmental pressures and stigmas associated with um, you know, being overweight or being unhealthy. And so that's what really kind of pushed me to pursue obesity medicine and really get um, into the heart of it because I really felt like I wasn't, I was doing my patients a disservice by just telling them they needed to diet and exercise. And so um, how long were you in your practice, your just your, your GI practice before you started um, looking into obesity medicine? Was it several years of uh, traditional practice? So yeah, I'm in a private practice. I'm a partner in my practice right now. And I had been practicing for, I would say about three years before mm-hmm. I just started getting irritated with myself and my um, recommendations. And uh, so actually in 2017, I started to kind of research um, obesity medicine a little bit more and then just really truly kind of understanding what um, the different aspects were to address. I went to a few conferences on health and wellness and obesity medicine. um, And then it kind of culminated uh, this, you know, I I went to a few conferences last year as well. And that culminated finally in taking my board exam this year. Um, I've already been seeing patients for it and I, and I really truly apply the whole holistic uh, method to them as well, looking at each part of their life and really trying to get to the root cause of what is preventing them from leading their healthiest life. 
And, um, you know, I, I did my fellowship in integrative medicine after being in practice for several years, and I looked at a variety of things. And it's, it's very interesting because there nowadays there's so many kind of new um, fields of medicine that weren't available to us before when we were going through residency or in, during our training. Um, so, you know, there's obesity medicine, and now there's culinary medicine and lifestyle medicine, functional medicine, integrative medicine. So how did you... Um, pick obesity medicine out of all those other specialties that are now available? Right, so obesity medicine, I think initially when I first was kind of exploring it, it really, it kind of spoke to me in terms of the disciplines that were studied. You know, there was a lot of still, quite a bit of internal medicine and primary care involved. I'm, I'm internal medicine I'm certified as well. So I liked being able to use my internal medicine knowledge and endocrinology, um, you know, the bariatric surgery portion of obesity medicine, I'm really familiar with as well as a gastroenterologist. And so um, there was a lot of overlap in um, discipline. So I thought, I, I think that's what kind of uh, pushed me in that direction. I did actually, though, recently look at the lifestyle medicine um, <laughs> curriculum, and, and I really think it's important. The whole preventative nature uh, of it, I think, is really interesting. I have to say, and you know, this might have been true for you as well in med school residency, you don't get that much um, training in nutrition at all. No. Um, and I, I feel like that's really a disservice because as physicians, patients come to us and ask us all the time, what diet should I be eating? Mm -hmm. you know, what, what do you suggest foods for X or Y? And a lot of times for GI illnesses like inflammatory bowel disease or irritable bowel syndrome, there are all these diets and we really don't get great training besides, mm -hmm. oh, here's a handout follow these foods. These foods are good. These foods are bad. It's like very, you know, I feel like the training is not adequate at all. And I think that would be something, you know, to have a true nutrition curriculum so that we understand in medical school at, or, you know, college or wherever to truly understand nutrition. Yeah. And I think there's a big, um, there's starting to be more of a shift um, in our medical school curriculum. I think um, nowadays people are wanting a little bit more of that in terms of the pre preventative medicine um, that we weren't really taught back then. I mean, we were mostly taught back then um, to manage the symptoms and really there was a field of preventative medicine, but it wasn't as, um, you know, there aren't as many as there are, are nowadays. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, just your current practice. So are you incorporating, you mentioned, you know, doing a little bit of obesity medicine in your practice. Um, do you find that a lot of these patients who do need this, um, are they open to it? Yes. So um, I, so right now my practice, I would say is, you know, was 100% GI, but then some of my GI patients I'm now seeing for obesity and some patients I'm being um, referred to directly as obesity. So I'd say maybe like 25 to 30% of my practice is obesity medicine right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I have to say it, it, it's really great. Like the patients, you know, are the one, they're coming and seeking it out. So, and in my GI patients, they'll sometimes even say, oh, I've just been trying to lose these, you know, last, you know, 15, 20 pounds, I'm having difficulty. Or they're ones who are having, you know, who have issues with fatty liver and really want to get to the heart of it as well. And so I think the preventive medicine part of it is really important because, for me, it's not a really a number that I'm trying to get people to. I'm just trying to get them to a healthier lifestyle in a place where they can maybe come off their medications for their mm -hmm. diabetes or reduce the amount of insulin they're on or to come off a cholesterol medication. Um, I don't care about a number. I just want them to be able to prevent chronic medical conditions in the future and to live, be able to live the next several decades of their life without being tied to medications or you know, machines or anything like that. 
And do you have any interesting uh, success success stories from your patients that you can recall? Yeah, definitely. Um, I have a patient who came in at, I want to say, 350 pounds. Um, and I've been seeing him actually only since November. And we've kind of talked through all aspects of his life. He, you know, you, you learn actually by talking to patients about these, like the different traumas they've internalized and why they eat or have disordered eating patterns or why they're unable to do things. There's a huge behavioral component to it, which I think, again, is just right. not well explored um, in regular curricula. And it's honestly the most important part of everything. You know, we can fix sleep, we can fix, you know, diet, we can tell people about exercise, but like behavioral things are like among the hardest to change and among the most important reason why people do the things they do. So, um, but this patient, we, we got to the root of a lot of um, the traumas that he had internalized and he is now like around 280 pounds. And that's just wow. in the last like six months. That's he, a remarkable. Yeah, it, it's, it's incredible. And patients are really excited and happy about it. And obviously they're happy about it because like, oh, I can fit into you know, a, a smaller size of clothing and things like that. But they also feel like, wow, my knees don't hurt anymore. I'm able yes. to now go walk for five miles when previously I wasn't able to do so. And my sleep is so much better now. I'm able to mm -hmm. not have to use a CPAP machine in order to sleep and um, you know, things like that. And he still, he still says he has some ways to go and we're working on that. And that, you know, again, that's up to him what he wants to, you know, reach a quote unquote number. But um, already I'm just happy with the progress that he's made because he's been able to, you know, his A1C went from eight to 5.8, you know, so things like that those numbers, those are the numbers that matter to me. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because uh, you mentioned the behavioral component and I always talk about that um, um, for people who don't know, um, I practice chronic pain management. And so in my chronic pain patients, um, I always discuss the behavioral aspect of it. And it's really hard, but um, it's, it's a very important thing to address because there is such a huge emotional behavioral component to being in pain. And similar, similarly with patients who are obese, um, there's a huge emotional behavioral component to that as well. Right. I have all my patients who come in, they're like, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I still do it. Yeah. And so it's just trying to like get to the root of why they do it. I think that is going to help us be able to change behavior. Right. So um, you mentioned your words as being holistic and balanced. And I know we talked a lot about your patients and your practice. I'd like to, I always like to hear about um, everyone's personal journeys. And so um, can you kind of talk a little bit about how, what holistic and balanced means to you in your personal life? Yeah, definitely. I feel like I'm uh, still trying to attempt to get there in some ways. Um, I think we all I, are. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I think I'm definitely though in a better place than I was, uh, you know, even a few years ago. Mm -hmm. I have two small children and uh, they're six and four and they're amazing and really fun to be around. But obviously in those early years, I was not achieving any sort of balance or mm -hmm. having any sort of holistic improvement in my life. Mm -hmm. It's just hard. Um, I think as uh, you know, mothers everywhere go through just trying to balance work and uh, your life at home and your family and your social kind of agenda. There's just like a lot of things that you're trying to uh, stay on top of. I think the one thing I was able to do was to let go of a couple things, um, you know, early, like when I was uh, a younger mother and I feel like um, that allowed me to at least get through those, you know, first couple of years and the toddler years. Mm -hmm. um, and now I, and, and I think also, you know, I was, unhealthy. I wasn't 
eating the best foods. Um, you know, I'm vegetarian, but it's easy to be a lazy vegetarian sometimes. And uh, I feel like I, I thought I was always healthy, but you know, it's still easy to eat pizza as a vegetarian. And so I think um, some of the choices I was making even a few years ago were not great. And so about, I would say a year and a half ago, I kind of was just, you know, annoyed. I was still hanging on to baby weight. I wasn't feeling great. I actually had even trained for and like run a marathon, but even then I still didn't feel super healthy. And so um, I actually started um, doing intermittent fasting okay. as part of my um, kind of like trying to achieve balance and taking care of myself. And it's worked really well uh, for me. And I think uh, there's a lot of evidence behind intermittent fasting for weight loss and improvement of insulin sensitivity. And I just actually started prioritizing my sleep. And I think that has been a huge uh, thing for me because I just wake up not exhausted all the time. You know, my kids are now sleeping through the night. I don't have to worry about getting woken up in the middle of the night, except when I'm on call. But um, in general, I think the sleep and trying to, you know, stress reduce. Um, I've take I've started up my yoga practice again, which was on hiatus for a couple of years. But mm -hmm. I had been an avid uh, yoga practitioner, you know, throughout my 20s and early 30s. Um, but it was on hiatus for like, you know, five years and now I'm finally getting back into it and it has really helped me. So tell me a little bit, um, I know a lot of people kind of have an idea of what intermittent fasting is. Um, I know I've, I've done it myself, but um, can you tell the audience um, what exactly intermittent fasting is and, you know, what time frame you're using? I know there's different sure. like breakdowns. So. Yeah, definitely. So intermittent fasting, um, it, it's just basically time-restricted feeding. So you're only eating uh, between certain hours of the day. Uh, some people start out with you know, fasting for 16 hours and eating for eight hours. So essentially they would eat between maybe 10 and six or 11 and seven. And then after your dinner at six or seven in the evening, you won't eat anything until 10 o'clock the next morning. Um, and you I mean, you can drink water, you can drink, you know, black coffee, you can drink tea and all those things, but no, um, like food that contains uh, true calories. And, um, so there's been evidence to show that the 16 fasting eight feeding has benefits. And then there's also the 18 fasting six feeding that has even uh, more benefit. And then there's, um, some time restricted feeding where you'd eat normally all day, but then you'd fast for the next 24 hours. And so for me personally, that would be difficult. I, I would need, I need to eat every day. And so, um, especially as a proceduralist, but I do the time restricted fasting essentially between noon and 6.30 to seven. That's how I do it. It's funny when intermittent, fa intermittent fasting first kind of exploded, <laughs> a lot of my friends and colleagues were like, what? This is like what we did in residency. We basically right. didn't eat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like skipping breakfast. That's all it is. Exactly. But, um, but, but you the, had a, good, a lot of success with intermittent fasting. I've had a lot of success with it. Yeah, personally, I felt like it's really helped me. And initially, everyone's like, oh my God, you're just starving yourself. And it's nothing like that, actually. I mean, I eat really well during my feeding times. And it harkens back to a time where you think about true physio physiologically as humans. Like previously, you know, we were looking for food. Food wasn't like abundantly available as it is now. And so we would go look for food, hunter-gatherer, or, you know, kill whatever animal feed at that time, but then you don't know when your next meal is coming from. And I mm -hmm. think um, that it kind of speaks to that a little bit, but I, I just feel like we don't need to be, you know, I was like eating after dinner at nine, 10 o'clock at night. You don't need to do that. It's just not necessary. And so right. I, uh, I initially thought it was going to be really difficult, but once I kind of got into it, it, it's, I've been able to do it now for over a year and a half. And so I haven't felt any need to go back to that previously. I don't feel good as well. Yeah. I feel better, like, 
being able to do this, drink lots of water, get good sleep, you know, work on uh, stress management, being able to balance my time between work and my family. It's just, you know, there are a lot of things to work on, but everything mm -hmm. is still kind of like a work in progress, but mm -hmm. I feel like I'm in a much better place now than I was even two years ago. That's great. And, you know, it's funny. Um, so you said that this was about one, one and a half years ago that you started really taking yes. more emphasis on yourself. And so this kind of coincided with the time that you started doing your obesity medicine fellowship. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I wonder if like subconsciously that was like in my mind being like, wow, I really need to do something about this. Well, it's kind of funny um, because I, I thought of that just with the time frame that you were mentioning, because when I did my integrative medicine fellowship, that was a, when I was really burnt out and I was really seeking something that I thought was going to be more for my patients, but it also helped me. So I wonder if that had something to do with that as well for you. Yeah, I think I started recommending more like, you know, because people started coming and just talking to me about their issues. And so then when I was talking through it with them, I was like, wow, these are things like I should actually adopt in my own life. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of times we as physicians are a lot of, you know, do as I say, not as I do. But I felt like, mm -hmm. wow, if I really want to be a true advocate and like an example to my patients, I should actually be, you know, taking some of my own advice. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you mentioned you have two kids, six and four. Yes, I do. So um, do you find yourself kind of uh, watching what they eat and um, what type of, you know, like what activities they do in terms of for exercise? Do you find yourself kind of, um, you know, stressing that for your own children? Yes, very much so. Um, we are a pretty active family. So we're always hiking, biking, you know, trying to be outside as much as possible in the winter months, actually. You know, I was never a skier growing up, but as, um, you know, as my kids were getting older and living in the Northeast, I feel like, you know, we want to be outside at least during the winter time. So we started skiing during the winter and the kids really got into it. So um, basically we're trying to be outside as much as possible as a family. Um, and yeah, in terms of food, you know, I cook pretty much every single day and, um, or like at least meal plan for my entire week, because I, it's really important to me that the kids get a lot of vegetables and fruits whole grains in their meal, uh, plant-based protein. Um, so, you know, as an Indian cook, I cook a lot of lentils, a lot of beans. Um, mm -hmm. We do tofu. My husband is Asian, so we do a lot of uh, vegetarian Asian food. Um, so it, it's really important to us that we're promoting good eating habits, healthy eating habits, and just um, healthy outdoor activity. We'll have to share some recipes. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I love cooking. And yeah. um, for people who don't know, um, I cook a lot at home as well. And about probably right around Thanksgiving um, last year was when I said I wanted to cut out all red meat. And yeah. so um, I eat fish still, a lot of tofu yeah. and fish. And my son, who is 11, he didn't, we didn't really, I didn't personally grow up eating a lot of fish. So that was really hard. I think a transition um, for my son because, because I didn't eat a lot of fish, he didn't. And so he didn't eat any fish or seafood. And so it's been a challenge, but um, he's warming up to salmon. <laughs> okay. And so, um, so yeah, I was just, when you were talking about eating tofu and being vegetarian, I was just thinking, oh, I need to get them ready recipes from you. Yeah, definitely. I'll be happy to share some. Uh, yeah, so both of my kids are vegetarian. Um, and so everyone's always worried about, oh my gosh, are you getting enough protein and things like mm -hmm. that? And there's so many plant-based sources of um, protein that it's not even an issue at all. Um, 
in terms, I mean, like, it's not like we're doing a lot of fake meats, which are highly processed necessarily. I mean, like, my, my kids do like the Beyond Burgers. Um, I do too. But, They're pretty tasty. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, when it comes to lentils, legumes, beans, tofu, you know, um, they eat yogurt. You know, there, there's just like so many different sources um, that I'm not worried about it at all. And is your husband a vegetarian as well? Uh, he's not. Um, he's Taiwanese, so he uh -huh. did not grow up a vegetarian as well yeah. at yeah. all. I mean, and um, so, but after meeting me, he kind of started being a little bit more vegetarian, but I would say in the last, like, so when I started making like um, severe, like, you know, big changes in my life, uh, we were always vegetarian at home, but, and now with the pandemic, we're only eating at home. So he mm -hmm. is, I would say like 95% vegetarian. When we go out, when we were going out to restaurants and stuff, if he saw something that he liked, that was like a, he eats more fish and poultry anyway. Mm -hmm. It's not like he uh, is a big red meat person, but um, yeah. yeah, he, but now with the pandemic, he's like, yeah, I can't even remember the last time I had meat at all, so. Yeah, you kind of, like, just don't miss it, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily, necessarily miss it. Um, it's just hard, you know, if you're going out to eat, but, um, yeah, but like, cooking at home, you know, same thing, you know. Uh, my husband and my, my son are kind of forced to cook whatever, to eat whatever I cook, whatever which is made, kind of yes. nice. <laughs> yes, but it's also good because, you know, like, we're all eating together as a family, so I think it's really important, um, to have to 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 have your kids kind of eat the food that you're eating and um, just to learn healthier eating habits, I think Definitely. that's really important. I think it's really important to me, um, and I've actually started engaging them in the cooking process. So um, last week we made these kind of um, fresh summer rolls, like kind of Vietnamese summer rolls, and mm -hmm. um, they were really excited. Like I had everything chopped up and ready for them, but they kind of took it upon themselves to take the ingredient, like the filling and like wrap it up. And so like you, that gives them more agency about what they're eating when they have a hand in the cooking process. They get excited yeah. about it. Do you find whenever you talk to your patients about their food and their diet, do you ask them about, you know, what, I'm sure you do, you ask them about what they eat and who yeah, they're, we who they're eating like, with and yeah. Yep, yep. Well, we go through kind of like a, on the first visit, it's like a 24 hour recall, just about like, tell me, you know, typically what you're eating in a day, what time you're eating, do you eat with somebody? Do you make the food or is someone making the food for you? Do you get takeout most of the time? It's just, you know, people are obviously have really stressful lives. They're trying to, you know, get through the day, especially if they're at work, they're just trying to, you know, eat something quick. And oftentimes something quick is not super healthy. And it's being able to, you know, work through those problems and figure out solutions and how to get a healthy meal that is fast to eat and make um, and, and helps you on the go. And when you get home from work, you're getting home late. When do you have time to exercise? Like, how do you have time to cook a healthy meal? So it's, again, trying to troubleshoot and um, figure out solutions um, for people with really busy jobs. And maybe they're working yeah. second shift and their sleep patterns are getting really messed up because they sh they, when they should be sleeping, they're actually working. And, you know, there's right. a lot of challenges that people face. Yeah. And it's funny because um, the most accessible food is fast food and it's easy yes. and it's fast. But then um, actually my husband and I were just talking about this the other day is um, I make a lot of Greek yogurt pizza <laughs> oh, really? and it's so good. Um, I don't know if you've had it, but it's a mixture of Greek yogurt with self-rising flour and that's all it is. It's pizza dough. Um, but yeah, making, I'll making that, that. you definitely have to try it. It's so yeah. it, I'll, I'll send you some pictures, <laughs> yeah, um, but it's, it's so easy to make and so fast. And if you have all the, if you have the ingredients, I mean, part of it is just being able to, to know what to shop for whenever you do go to the store. So if right. you have pizza sauce and you have some cheese, um, and some salad, like arugula, you make the pizza dough. It's so fast. It takes eight minutes in the oven. You don't have to buy frozen pizza. You don't have to order 
pizza from for delivery that's probably pretty unhealthy and um, has Greek yogurt, which has a lot of protein. So, I mean, there's a lot of easy um, little hacks you can do um, to be able to cook at home and cook healthy meals um, with ingredients that you know you're putting into it and you're right, not having exactly. to, to, you know, get the fast food or the easier option. When yeah, in reality, the home option is probably easier. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it definitely is. You, you don't think it is because you feel like you have to put that time and effort into it, but there are a lot of blogs out there that have all these recipes that have very few ingredients actually and are able to mimic a lot of foods that we think of as indulgences even, but are actually much healthier in, yeah. uh, in theory. Yeah. Well, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you about um, obesity medicine and about your practice and about your home life. Um, if we have listeners who are interested in connecting with you, how would they be able to do, to do so? Oh well, yeah, definitely. Uh, people can uh, contact me on my Instagram. It's gutsy girl, G-U-T-S-Y-G-I-R-L-M-D. Um, and I'm happy to talk to people about any GI issues that they may have. I see a lot of patients with inflammatory bowel disease like um, ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease, any issues with like gut health um, and motility problems. I see a lot of females, obviously, females feel a little bit more comfortable with the female gastroenterologist. Um, and then, yeah, with, about obesity medicine as well. So I have been seeing a lot of those patients. So yeah, on my Instagram, Betsy Girl MD. Um, you can find me and we can have a further discussion. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it, Michelle. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness. Thank you.